Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. Today is a very special Sunday for us because not only are we celebrating the fact that Jesus died and rose from the dead, but we're going to celebrate after the sermon, baptisms, and hear how this truth about Jesus has fundamentally changed people's lives. We had a great time on Friday, on Good Friday, remembering together that Jesus came into this world for sinners, that He was a servant being commissioned by the Father who willingly came to successfully rescue His people. To die in their place so that we can be forgiven of every one of our sins, right? But the success of Jesus and His mission hangs on the fact that He did not stay in the grave. The the success of the mission of Jesus is absolutely dependent on what we are celebrating today. So again, please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Galatians. Maybe you thought we would be in a different text for today, but we are in the book of Galatians because in God's wonderful providence, He has allowed us to come to a text that speaks about baptism and the absolute closeness we have with Jesus. A text that will help us understand what we will be seeing at the end of the service when people go into the water thinking more about how closely connected we are as sons of God to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so let's open up to Galatians chapter 3, and I want to read from verse 23 again. Galatians chapter 3, from verse 23. Paul writes, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abram's offspring, heirs according to the promise. In my bedroom at home, we have a a half-length mirror that hangs on the wall. So that my wife and I can at least try and get an idea of what we look at like before we leave the house. It's just a mirror that covers the the, the top area of your body from your waist to your head. So often we jokingly comment to each other and saying, you know what, one day when we're big, we'll have a full-length mirror 
in our room so that we can see what we really look like. Because sometimes it's very hard to judge if what you're wearing up here matches with what you, what's going on down here. Because then you come down the stairs and sometimes my kids are like, Dad, what are you wearing? Fair question. And I think many times Christians go through this life with a distorted view of themselves because of not seeing and believing who they really are according to God's Word. Not really understanding what they really look like from God's perspective. It's as if they forget what they're wearing. And it's not hard to understand that when people start to neglect, neglect time in God's Word, and get so caught up with the busyness of everything in this life, that everything just becomes so overwhelming that people forget how close they really are to Jesus. They forget and fail to see the, the full picture of how God the Father loves them because of how united they are to Jesus. Last Sunday we started to reintroduce the book of Galatians, and we were reminded again that a certain time in history... God gave His law so that people can see their sin for what it really is. The law being the mirror that shows how how sinful we really are. But then we also saw that there's been this radical change in history when Jesus came into the world to set us free from the law and our own efforts. To set us free from all the ways people try to clean themselves up and make themselves acceptable and representable before God. Because God's inspired word is the, is the full length mirror that also reveals to us not only how sinful we are, but that by placing your faith in this historical figure named Jesus, you receive a new identity and a new status before God. Paul is making the historical argument of salvation history that anyone can become part of God's family by faith in Jesus Christ. And the truth of Galatians needed to be reminded of because they were being led astray by people who were getting the gospel wrong. You see, in the world that we live in today, for many people, Jesus is just that, a historical figure. But for us here in the church who have put our trust completely in His life, death, and resurrection, He isn't just this historical figure, He's a living reality. And the world gets excited about Easter weekend because it means more holiday time. Chocolate eggs and scavenger hunts and good food and with family and friends. And we like all those things as well. But Christians get excited about Easter because this historical event changes our entire future. And it's not just the future. This historical person named Jesus changes our lives right here, right now. He changes our relationship with God the Father. And so the question of Easter for us today is, what is my connection to this historical figure named Jesus? Ask yourself that question. What is my connection to this historical figure named Jesus. Paul is arguing in Galatians that our sonship, 
our belonging to God's family is grounded in our connection to Jesus. Because being a son of God is not something we aim to be. He's saying it is who we already are by faith. He's trying to show the the fullness of our salvation by highlighting the the new proximity, the, the new distance between us as newly adopted sons of God and the divine son of God. In other words, in Galatians 3.27, Paul is trying to show us that because Jesus was successful in his mission by dying in our place and rising from the dead on the third day, that we can know with certainty what we are wearing every single day. Being clothed in the righteous garments of Jesus Christ. The fullness of the gospel And all the benefits of being a child of God is to be received by faith. That is Paul's whole argument in Galatians, that we're justified by faith and we become part of God's family by faith and that we should live every day by faith. But we also know that from 1 Corinthians 15, 17, Paul said that if Christ has not been raised, your what is futile and you're still in your sins. Your faith. Your faith. Everything he argues for in Galatians about how being justified by the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ is fundamentally dependent on the historical fact that the tomb was empty, death is defeated, and the new resurrected life is now found in Jesus Christ. In other words, your faith has a lot of theology and substance to it. It's a faith that is full of Easter weekend truth. And what you believe about Easter Sunday has a lot of implications of how you live the Christian life. And so... I want to show us, because faith has come and because Jesus did die for sinners like us and because He did rise from the dead, then for those who truly believe that, you are so connected to Jesus that Paul says it's like you died when Jesus died and you rose when Jesus rose. You died with Jesus and you rose with Jesus. Look at verse 27, the first part. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ. Remember, verse 26, we saw last Sunday that Paul teaches that no matter what your background is, any Jew or Gentile are sons of God by being in Christ through faith. And now he links that connection and closeness with Christ by talking about being baptized into Christ. Because baptism was this powerful testimony of someone's new relationship with Jesus. It would be like this official public recognition that someone belonged to God by faith. Because Paul wants the Galatians to think back to what happened to them when they placed their faith in Jesus and not in the works of the law. And one of the things that happened was they were baptized. They made this public identification with the gospel of grace and the finished work of Jesus. And we know from the Gospels that Jesus said what? We ought to go into the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. 
But I want us to be clear that given the context of Galatians, Paul is not saying that the very act of baptism is what makes you a real Christian. Because how many people still out there today think and believe that you are only fully saved and part of God's family when you are literally baptized? This is actually the kind of thinking Paul was trying to combat because the Judaizers were saying that circumcision was the method of gaining salvation, right? Entrance into God's family comes through circumcision. And if you don't understand the overall argument of Galatians, then you might think Paul is saying in verse 27 that you must be baptized into Christ to really be saved and be a son of God. That baptism somehow now replaced circumcision. But we know that. The truth that we have seen from Galatians so far is that neither circumcision, which was the sign of the old covenant with Abraham, or baptism, which is the sign of the new covenant in Christ, can save you. Why? Because it's only what that saves? It's only faith in Jesus that saves. If baptism just replaced circumcision, then Paul's whole argument of salvation by faith goes out the window. You see, for Israel, you become part of that community by being born into that family and having the sign of circumcision on the eighth day. But circumcision is not what made anyone a Christian even then. Instead, Paul's been saying, you belong to the family of God by faith in the promises of God, just like Abraham did. And we enter the family of God in the same way, because of being baptized does not make you part of God's family. Rather, it's a sign of what is already true of you. In other words, you don't become a son of God by being baptized. It's because you are a son of God that you want to be baptized. I mean, think of Paul himself here. He was saved when he trusted in the resurrected Jesus. And he called him Lord on the, on the Damascus Road. And then just after a few days later, after Paul regained his sight, like I told the kids, what did he do? Acts 9.18, and he rose and was baptized. Paul's heart was changed first. His spiritual blindness first. And then the, the literal blindness turned into sight. And one of the first things he did was to get baptized. Because baptism was this outward sign of what has really happened in his heart. And so think about it. Becoming a Christian is not a private matter. Your faith in Jesus is not something that belongs only behind the private doors of your bedroom. If you read the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, then over and over and over again, when people heard the gospel message of Easter weekend, then by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, Titus 3 verse 5, they responded with faith in Jesus and being baptized. But what does it mean to be baptized into Jesus? This is what makes baptism such a powerful testimony of, of the closeness we have with Christ 
as sons of God. Because being so united to Jesus means that we are so connected to everything He did for us in salvation. Look how Paul explains it to the Romans. Romans 6.3 Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So as one man says, the book of Galatians and the book of Romans is the gospel message of the cross and the empty tomb, because baptism captures all the realities of Easter weekend. Because the picture that we see when someone goes down into the water is that they have the spiritual identification of being immersed into the life of Christ. Water is this picture of, of, of judgment and death. And so the idea is when you go into the water, you go as someone that was an Adam. Someone who was under the law. Someone that was under the present evil age. Someone that was under sin. Someone who is dead. But just like Jesus did not stay in the grave, we don't either. Paul goes on to say, Romans 6, 5, If we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like Him. As Jesus emerged from the empty tomb because of being raised from the dead through the power of God, the baptized believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is pictured as being someone that is also raised to newness of life. Someone that is now in Christ. Someone that is a new creation. Someone that is free from the law. Free from their own efforts. Someone that is set free from the power of sin. And a life that is being dominated by sin. Set free from just living for themselves because they already have by faith the resurrecting power of the Holy Spirit. But then you look over at passages like 1 Peter 3.21. And you're like, but isn't Peter saying that the very act of baptism actually saves you? Because Peter writes, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. You're like, what's going on here? But then you must consider the bigger context of what Peter is saying, right? Because look at the connection he makes just a few phrases later. Let me read all of it. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, what Peter is saying is that it's not the act of baptism that saves anyone, it's the event that lies behind the act it symbolizes. And it's because of the resurrection and being so connected to Jesus and what He did in His life, death and resurrection, that anyone is saved. In other words, if there is no resurrection, there's just no reason to baptize anyone. One commentator says, salvation comes as a response to man's inner relationship to God. It is based not upon what man does, but upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Had Christ not been raised, there would be no hope of salvation at all. 
the act of baptism would have been vain and meaningless. Which means we don't baptize anyone and hope they will come to faith in Christ. We baptize people because they already have professing faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism flows out of the truth of the gospel because people recognize who they are in Christ and how close they are to Christ and they want the whole world to know about it. Paul actually explains how faith and baptism go together and the reality of being made alive in Christ, having all our sins forgiven from Colossians 2, 11 to 14. Listen to what he says. He says, In Him... Also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Don't you just love the way Paul uses circumcision language to make the point that circumcision does not save you? By putting off of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith and the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with all its legal demands. You see, the person who gets baptized believes with his or her new circumcised heart that their long record of reckless sin has been totally wiped clean. That what Jesus did on Good Friday was the sufficient payment for every one of those sins. Because it was nailed to the cross when this once thought historical figure, but now intimate personal Savior named Jesus was nailed to the cross for you. And baptism is the picture that you died with Him. But not only that you died with Him, but that all our hope in the Christian life lies in the reality that He was also raised from the dead and we were raised with Him. Being alive in Christ. Knowing as Romans 6, 9 says that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. In other words, we don't picture Jesus dying on a cross anymore because that's not where he is he's not there anymore he doesn't have to die for your sins again verse 10 for the death he died he died your sins once for all but the life he lives he lives to god so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to god in jesus christ You see, just as death no longer has dominion over Jesus, so the power of sin no longer has dominion over God's specially resurrected children. This is good news for the Christian who feels as if the flesh is totally dominating them right now. Here's God saying that because you are a son of God that is so connected to Jesus that you need to consider, you really need to stop and think about the implications of what that impacts in terms of your relationship to sin. Because you are not hopelessly dead in your old ways anymore. You are not 
hopelessly dead in your old ways anymore. There's a new power in you, a new kind of power that strengthens your faith. Because not only are you alive in Christ, because of being raised with Christ, look at what Paul says here in Galatians. He's saying you get a, a new wardrobe while you're living for Christ. Because someone that is baptized into Jesus is someone that is so connected to Him that it's as if you're wearing Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Have put on Christ. Putting on Christ is the same as saying be clothed in Christ. Paul is making the link that Baptism is, is a public witness that you have a new wardrobe in Christ. In the Old Testament culture, when you pass from childhood into manhood, you could say the person received the full rights as a son. And part of what that entailed was they would literally put on new clothes. Everyone would be able to see that this person now has come of age and belongs to the family to receive all the blessings and rights as part of that family. And when someone's baptized in the early days of Christianity, they were also stripped of their old clothes. And so when they came up out of the water, they would be handed this, this white robe, this white garment, to symbolize their new identity as belonging to the family of Christ. They would be wearing Christ. Maybe think of that movie. I don't know if you've, you've seen it. Maybe you've heard the title. It's called The Devil Wears Prada. You know that movie, The Devil Wears Prada? This evil boss that everyone's so afraid of. But what Paul is saying is that the Christian wears Christ. The Christian wears Christ. You're wearing a new label with eternal implications. In fact, Paul uses this idea or language of being clothed with Christ in many other places in the New Testament. But there's a difference. Look at this. Ephesians 4.24, we know this so well. He says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. You see, when Paul talks about putting off and putting on in these verses, it's the same as saying, put on Christ. Clothe yourself in Christ. In fact, the exhortation from Romans 13, 14 is, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And so what we need to recognize is that there's this difference between these texts about putting on Christ and what Paul is saying here in Galatians 3, 27. Because here in Galatians, Paul is not speaking in the imperative sense, which means he's not saying, do this. He's talking in the indicative sense, which means it's already done. It's already done. You are already clothed with the righteousness of the risen Lord Jesus Christ because you believe the message of Easter. And that is how God the Father sees His newly adopted children. The prophet Isaiah used some of the language in the Old Testament where he said, Isaiah 
I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. And so one way we fight for holiness and joy and the power of the Spirit as new creations in Christ is to by faith believe every day that Jesus took my old garments of sin with Him into the grave. And that I was raised with Him and now I'm wearing the perfect righteous garment of righteousness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Clearly, Christianity is not simply about what you look like on the outside. It's about displaying such a confidence in the fact that even though you continue to see the messiness on the inside, you believe that what God the Father sees is that you are clean and righteous because you are wearing Jesus. You are so fundamentally connected to Jesus. So think about how this impacts your life. Think about how this impacts your life. One thing this truth of being clothed in Christ does is it helps you to find your identity only in Christ. It helps you find your identity only in Christ because at the very sad and basic level, many people in this world think they are special because of the way they look on the outside, right? Thinking that it is what makes them someone special and important by what they wear because the Christian knows The Christian knows and believes they don't have to try and impress others because they know who they are in Christ. If I'm wearing a Blue Bulls jersey, which will never happen, then what I'm wearing is saying what team I support. If someone comes to church in their their cultural dress, they say and show to everyone what culture they're from. But if we're saying that Christ is my clothing, then it means I find my identity first and foremost in Him. I find my identity in being a son of God and not on what other people think of me or want of me or expect of me. I don't find my identity in my past sins. I don't find my identity in my children. I don't find my identity in my spouse and my career. I find my identity in the one who is the closest to me because it's like I'm wearing him every single day. Another picture that comes to mind how this impacts our our lives on a daily way is that God covers our shame. Someone that's wearing Jesus means that God covers our shame. God has been clothing His people and covering their shame for a very long time. We know Genesis 3-7, right? God is lovingly and mercifully giving garments to Adam and Eve after they have sinned to cover up their shame. How much more does God lovingly cover us through the life, death, and resurrection of His perfect Son? And this covering, this covering brings us comfort in those times of uncertainty. In those times of darkness when God feels so far away. This covering brings us to a place of dependence where we recognize that we need His presence in our lives every single day. And because you're clothed with Christ, it means you're always, always acceptable to God. You don't have to try and make yourself presentable to Him. 
you are already perfect because of wearing the perfect righteousness of Jesus. I mean, sometimes my wife asks me, how do I look? And I, can I go out like this? And if we're in a hurry, I would be tempted to say, yeah, you look great, which is true. She always does. But she might leave there not so confident in my quick assessment. Because to her, it seems like I didn't take a good look of what she's wearing, maybe even feeling uncomfortable for the rest of the day. And maybe you find yourself confronted with this uncomfortable uncertainty of what you really look like before God because of your fight against sin. But knowing that I am spiritually clothed in Christ gives us a steady confidence in our gospel witness. Because thirdly, it means that we take Him wherever we go, right? I mean, think of the clothes you got on right now. It goes where you go, doesn't it? If Jesus is constantly with us because we are clothed in Him, it means we are living every area of our lives in front of His presence. I mean, the Bible often talks about walking in the presence of God. Psalm fifty-six, thirteen. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling. That I may walk before God in the light of life. Paul pleaded to the, to the church in Ephesus that they should walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Ephesians 4. And one of the ways we do that is by recognizing that we have Christ with us wherever we go and in whatever we do. I love going on walks with my wife. We get to talk together. We get to reflect together. We give thanks together. Where We enjoy what God has done and what He's busy doing. And walking with God while wearing Jesus is like that. When you become a son of God, then He becomes your heart's greatest desire. Knowing Him, hearing His voice, and sharing your burdens and praises with Him becomes your life. And so we don't just wear Jesus when we come to church on Sunday. We are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus every day of the week. Which means we want to and we can live for His glory. We want to and we can live for His glory. We don't take off what is permanently ours. We don't keep living as someone who is still wearing the the former clothes of sin and death. Rather, because of what we already have, we can be exhorted by Paul and others to put on Christ every single day. In other words, because of what was done in the past, what we celebrate here on Easter weekend, we can now do in the present. It's when we turn that truth around that people get the gospel wrong. But we also know that the resurrection of Jesus is not just something that has spiritual implications for us now. We know that because Jesus rose from the dead, one day we will literally come out of the ground and we will be putting on immortality. 1 Corinthians 15.53 For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. 
when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the, the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. The saying that Akani read in the beginning, death is now swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. You get that? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God not only promises to give us a spiritual makeover now by faith in Jesus, He promises to to give us a, a total physical makeover in the future as well. Which means, when we look at pain and suffering and death, we have the hope of Resurrection Sunday. That because Jesus came out of the grave, we will one day be clothed with new bodies that will never again experience the pain of this world. Bodies that are ready to embrace the full glory of the one you are wearing now. The resurrection truth helps us to hold on. And so let me ask you again. What is your connection to this historical figure named Jesus? How close are you really to Jesus? The Son of God who walks by faith says, He is my Savior. I died with Him. I was raised with Him. I am clothed with Him. And one day I will be raised to be with Him forever. The message of Easter is not to get yourself dressed up to be acceptable to God. The message of Easter is that you are already dressed in the righteousness of Jesus by faith in His death and resurrection. And so let me ask you, church, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? Jesus said, John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Asked Jesus. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that we could come today to, to celebrate and worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was the one who, who was buried in the tomb for us, the one who was raised for us, so that we can identify with everything he did on Easter weekend. That we can be reminded of the closeness we have to our Savior. That we are so close as sons of God that it's as if we died with Him. That we were raised with Him. And that death no longer has dominion over us. The power of sin no longer has dominion over us. Because one day you will come and you will resurrect us. And we will be with you in glory forever. But Father, even now as we leave here today and as we listen to these baptisms, testimonies, Lord, we pray that the gospel, this gospel news would change our lives. That we would recognize who we are wearing every day as we walk amongst this unbelieving world. 
That we would recognize who we are wearing when we have conflict with other brothers and sisters even in this church. That we would recognize who we are wearing and how much we have been forgiven because of Jesus. Thank you for the resurrection truth. Thank you for Easter weekend. Thank you for this church family. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.